The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Welcome to Port Fan Radio. I'm Rick Newenhoven and I'm very excited tonight. I've drunk too much coffee, so who knows what's going to happen. Um, but what a massive weekend of footy just around the AFL and all the topics that have gone down. Uh, it's a, it's a, I think we're going to be here for probably three hours, boys. I hope you don't have family commitments. Um, it's going to be a big one, but uh, I'm very, very excited. And tonight, as always, uh, we've got Mr. Ferris himself. How are you, Cam? <laughs> I'm great, mate. Uh, I'm, that, that's an interesting introduction this week, mate. You always seem to uh, you always seem to come up with something a bit different. Uh, I, I try Ferris. to I try to uh, vary it up and uh, and have a bit of variety, and uh, you get the reference to Ferris, I guess. For Ferris Bueller, yes, I, I get it. And his best mate was Cam. Very good. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, I get it now. Am I right? Or... Yeah, that you are right. Very good. Oh, very... In the in the past, I used to have a squeaking chair and a squealing pig, and I was going to bring that up, but I thought I wouldn't worry about it because that'd probably <laughs> confuse the bugger out of you too. Yeah, yeah, then, then I'd be stuffed, mate, completely stuffed. Yeah, and as always, we've got the fat man Bevo, who's always chewing the fat. How's it going, Bevo? Yeah, still a bit disappointed over the weekend, boys, but we'll move on to a big game this week against the Coasters, hey? Yeah, it was it was a massive week, and I, I guess I just had a quick look at the odds for um, uh, the footy coming up for uh, for this week. And Port Adelaide are raging hot favourites at a dollar forty five to beat West Coast. I, I don't know how the bookies have got those odds with West Coast current form at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, I think um, I think West Coast are probably going to obviously going to be without Gaff and Natanui and maybe Kendi. So if ever we've got a good chance to beat them, it's this week, boys. Oh, the amount of chances we've had. We, we thought we were going to beat West Coast, particularly at our home ground. And the amount of chances that we've we've blown, I get very nervous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They could have half their side out and I would still be nervous. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, <laughs> let's see what happens. So I just want to get this out of the way really, really quickly. And, um, and then we'll, we'll move on to the rest of the topics because I think... Probably everyone's starting to get sick and tired of listening to it anyway. Um, you know, the big point debacle. Um, was, it a, was it a debacle anyway? I'm not, I'm not actually convinced that it was. Uh, from my perspective, I looked at the footage probably 20, 50 times. I can't even see if um, it was a goal or not. And, you know, I mean, if it's that inconclusive, well, you go with the umpire's call, don't you, boys? Which was, he called it a goal. So we've got to suck it up, it was a goal. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We had so many opportunities during the game to win it, boys. I mean, poor old Ollie's copped it a lot, and you, you can't blame it just on him. But obviously that brain fade to do the stupid around-the-corner kick from 10 metres out, that cost us. And, you know, there was other situations during the game where we made stupid errors, like the Westie 50 was silly. And, you know, so you can't blame it on one on one person. We had our opportunities to win. We got smashed in the contested footy, the clearances, the tackles, and everything else. So, you know, it probably... The margin probably flattered us in the end because it could have been a lot worse. Um, I say let's move on. What do you guys think? Bevo, yeah. Um, you, sorry, Cam, but Bevo, you just go you way go. ahead of script. You, you're stealing all our talking points coming up. We're just talking about the point. <laughs> Come on, stick with the program. 
What's your Sorry, view? Mate. You're all right. What's your view, Cameron? <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, it, 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 I mean, looked at it a number of times, even on the day, and I thought, oh, maybe it's a point. Oh, that I didn't, you know, they've gone to review it, and I thought, okay, must have seen something. They didn't. I wasn't particularly concerned at the time. So, um, yeah, just just cop it. I was probably more concerned after the game when I heard people talking about the fact that it probably wasn't a point. Um, so during the game, Aaron didn't know any better and just copped it sweet and happy to. Uh, all right, let's just go on to the general AFL quickly. I mean, what a huge Saturday it was, boys. I, I was at... You know, I don't get to watch too many uh, non-Port Adelaide games this week, but I was sort of stalking the uh, the score lines. You know, so we had Richmond knock off uh, the Cats by three points. Gary Ablett had an opportunity to seal the goal, but uh, seal the game, but he didn't. Um, and then he's come out and said, "You normally kick it." Well, you didn't. Uh, Hawthorne, which I tipped uh, to beat Essendon, um, yeah, I think Essendon's still slightly overrated. And uh, the Hawks, and I guess the Hawks, uh, again, are going to be undervalued uh, this week um, because they're not favourites again. So, uh, But they beat Essendon by four points. And we had North only beat the Brisbane Lions by three points. Port only knocking off the Crows by three... Uh, losing to the Crows, wishful thinking by me, by three points. So it was just a super Friday and Saturday of, uh, of footy. And then the Swans and... Um, Collingwood with a two-point thriller. How did you find the the weekend's footy, especially on Saturday? We don't probably need to reflect too much on the Sunday quality. Yeah, it was exciting. I, I um, also watched a bit of the Saturday night game. Actually, had a friend went over to Sydney specifically for it too. So, so that was great for him. Watched most of the Friday night game, and uh, yeah, Ablett had it in his hands, and you're just thinking, oh, here we go. He's he's going to do it. You know. Similar to that time he did it to us in the final round back in, uh, well, did it to us in 2007, except Dom Cassisi gave, you know, obviously answered with the winning goal. But uh, he just assumed he was going to kick it and he missed. And we've gone, gee, this, this is, uh, that's out of character for Ablett. He would normally kick that. So, um, yeah, it was a couple of pretty exciting games. Bevo? Yeah, Cam, you've, uh, yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head, mate. Um, I was actually pretty lucky to see. Most of the games on Saturday, I saw the end of the Roos-Brisbane one. I saw most of the Hawthorne-Essendon game and most of the Sydney-Collingwood game and, of course, the showdown. So, yeah, there were some great games of footy. and Definitely, other than the, the shocking games on Sunday, which we won't even talk about, that, were probably, that was probably one of the best rounds of footy um, that I can remember for a very long time. Just in terms of, you know, high-scoring contest where no one really knew who was going to win. And it was just great to see and probably just goes to show that Maybe we don't really need to worry about changing the game except for that stupid ruck rule. <laughs> um, well, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, uh, I just think like the game's opened up in the last couple of weeks as we're leading into the finals. It's almost, it's almost like all the teams have just been so ultra-conservative trying to just bank wins and, and now that the pressure's coming on... As Cameron's going inside his house, so we'll give him a buffer, buffer time, Bevo. But now as, uh, now as we're getting closer to, closer to the finals, we're, we're actually starting to see teams push. Uh, and we'll talk about Port Adelaide because they even opened up the game too. But, I mean, the ladder is crazy. Richmond's a lot for top two, if not top. They're on 60 points. West Coast Eagles are on 56. Giants are making their charge third on 50. And then we've got a flurry of teams, Melbourne, Hawthorne, Collingwood, Port, Sydney, all percentage-based, all on 48 points. 
Um, that top four spot is there and available for any team that wants to take it. It just seems to be no one wants it. Um, you know, Bevo and I on social media have been having our arguments. Mr. Positive Bevo thinks we can still do it. I'm not convinced. Um, we haven't taken our opportunities. But I guess the biggest talking point of the weekend happened in the last game where Andrew Gaff had an absolute brain fade. And, and uh, Cam, you're probably the best to probably... Uh, put some insight into this being over in the West and what sort of player he is, but surely he's got to get rubbed out for at least eight games because that's probably the worst thing we've seen intentional off the ball since Barry Hall and uh, Brett Stanker. Yeah, it, uh, you're right. People are sort of talking um, six to eight weeks. So there's been a huge amount of fallout from this over here. You talk about uh, Jenkins's point. Um, that's obviously a big talking point. Over here, it, it's just non-existent, that discussion. It's all about um, Gaff. And interestingly, I mean, Gaff, uh, it, they actually played golf together last week too. Uh, Gaff's good mates with, with his brother Hamish, who's at West Coast. And, um, the, yeah, the three of them were out playing golf together the other week and they're, they're actually reasonably good friends. Um could potentially be Gaff's last game as an Eagles player too because uh, Sydney are going quite... Uh, not Sydney, St Kilda are going quite hard for him. So how does that... That surely would compromise a relationship with a teammate if uh, if Hamish uh, is a brother of uh, the victim. You know, there'd have to be tension there now, surely. Yeah, I've asked... Uh, well, sorry, I've seen people say... Um, yeah, what, what's what's Gaff going to say to Hamish at training on Monday? You know, are they going to look each other in the eye? But, um, yeah, the, look, he's sort of... Um, they are friends, and, you know, Adam Simpson used to play some footy with... Um, uh, with... Uh, what's it? With Brayshaw's dad, or knows him through North Melbourne. And um, so, yeah, there is a little bit of... Uh, Look, there's, there's a bit of connection there and it, it will be interesting to see, uh, yeah, what happens at training. I'm sure that I haven't seen any footage of them turning up and, and, and chatting to each other at training yet. But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Gaff's going to pretty much, he's, he's no doubt played his last game for the season and um, uh, potentially, as I said, for West Coast. Bevo, well, um, I was just going to ask Gaff you. Gaff didn't actually play Hey. Yeah, sorry, boys. Um, Gaff didn't actually Gaff didn't actually train today, by the way. Okay, that's because he's still yeah. crying. He's upset with himself because he didn't mean to do it. But I mean, at least man up and just face it. I mean, that was just crazy. But Bevo, I've got a question for you. Schultzen fest on Big Footy. Um, he was shocked by the hero reception the West Coast supporters were giving Gaff after breaking an 18-year-old's jaw. Uh, West Coast now rivaling Adelaide as the biggest corporate shit stain of an AFL football club in the league. Yes, 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 yes. I 100% agree. I mean, um, this is my take. On, this is my take on the incident. Obviously, um, Gaff was was not trying to punch him in the face. He was he's probably just trying to you know punch him in the chest or you know do a, a gut punch or whatever to get him away because Brayshaw had been pay, applying a close tag on him during the game. Um, so clearly, Gaff's, Gaff's not that sort of player, and he was very remorseful. However. The, the incident still happens, so he's got to take his penalty. And the way Gaff, you know, was from Warsaw and the way he apologised after the game was very good. And, you know, even when the Dockers targeted him, he, he knew he did the, did the wrong thing. But, yeah, you don't 
you don't go and give someone a standing ovation um, after an act like that. I know they probably did it because they wanted to show their support towards him, but it's still not, not a good look and it wasn't appropriate, wasn't needed. And, yeah, I'm with, is it shits and fest or shits and paste or whatever? <laughs> um, shits and face, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, I um, get it. You're with him. What do you reckon, yeah, Cameron? You're, you're a Perth local. Yeah. Is, yeah. Who's worse, West Coast or Adelaide? Well, over here it's it's West Coast uh, as far as people are concerned. I mean, if... If you live over here and you, you don't barrack for West Coast, you, you pretty much hate them. Having said that, I, I prefer them because I just think they're a better club than Fremantle. Um, however, they are very much that corporate juggernaut similar to Adelaide. Um, what's being said about that, though, is that a lot of fans, they, they reckon, wouldn't have actually seen the footage properly um, that close to, to it having happened. And so they, they kind of get the feeling that, oh, maybe Gaff was, was uh, you know, he was being targeted a bit and he retaliated and so, you know, he stuck it up him, essentially. But the the general consensus is that people wouldn't have fully understand the gravity of what he did at that point. Yeah. So you you agree then, Cam? It wasn't necessary to give him the standing, standing ovation? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, look, it's absolutely... I, I remember when... When Nick Nat knew he drove um, Carl Amon's head into the turf, they they were all booing because because a free kick was given against Nat Newey for that. And look, yeah, they they, they can be pretty frustrating like that. I got to say, soccer supporters tend to be worse. Um, they seem to know less. But um, yeah, I certainly think it w- wasn't good. And many people over here have sort of gone, oh. Yeah, okay, that, that probably wasn't the right thing to do. But another thing that's actually being um, said about it is that Simpson should have taken Gaff off the field uh, a little sooner and he probably should have spent a fair bit more time on the bench after what had happened. What, protect him, you reckon? Yeah, a little bit. and You know, obviously he's in that headspace. Get him off, protect him a bit and, and you know, just sort of try and uh, give him a chance to sit down and, and you know, just shake it off a bit. Yeah, unfortunately, the Frio players didn't really square the ledger. Michael Johnson got pretty close, though. He was lucky, only a $2,000 fine. I guess my takeaway points from the round before we move on to the port stuff is uh, the Giants are charging, Gazers miss, uh, Tigers, if they bleed, you can kill it. That seems to be the general theme. Everyone seems to think the Tigers are beatable, but they keep on winning. So are they, are they actually underestimated uh, in 2018, sitting top of the ladder a game clear and looking pretty good? I reckon no. I reckon they're beatable. I I saw enough of Geelong on Friday night, and you know I reckon if we, I'm still got the belief. I know we disagree, Rick, but if if we finish top four and we play them at the MCG in the first round, of the finals, we can beat the Tigers. There you go. That's my opinion. I I just think, and Cameron, I welcome your views here, but I just think we've we've missed our opportunity to get top four now. Um, GWS could go undefeated for the rest of the year. I can't. They're, they've got a pretty comfortable run home. Uh, they're two points clear of us already with a, a massive percentage. Uh, them and Melbourne have been, uh, and even Hawthorne have been able to get percentage boosters when we've missed those opportunities. Melbourne's got a reasonably uh, interesting draw. It's not that difficult. Maybe the Sydney game might be a challenge. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, I just think 
Yeah, I think we've missed an opportunity to have top four. We had three chances, we and we let them go each time. Uh, Adelaide, Frio, and Hawthorne, games that we we should have won and we haven't. And um, yeah, and I guess that's probably where I'm coming from. Is and it, it's sort of been a repeat theme for numerous years for me. Is that I'm just disappointed that when we've we've had those clutch moments in seasons um, since 2004, we haven't taken them. And as as one of the the big uh, posters on Big Footy Tribe's pointed out, you know we're supposed to be this ruthless side against the Crows. When's the last time, for example, we've smashed the Crows in the showdown? We've wilted against them in recent time. In, in 2005, we were embarrassed in a. Uh, in a home final against the Crows. They've definitely uh, been the better team against us in recent times. We miss the big plays. We don't take the opportunities. And the opportunity is that we need to be top four. We missed it in we missed it in 2014. We didn't back up the opportunity in 2015. 2017, we, we missed the opportunity again. We just fell in the finals and, and then we stuffed it against West Coast anyway. Um, you know, it's again missed opportunity after missed opportunity, missed opportunity, and this season seems to be another missed opportunity. How often and how long do we go accepting these missed opportunities? Well, it's difficult to know how to accept or, or unaccept it, but uh, I agree. I don't think, uh, yeah, I, I don't personally think we deserve to be in the top four given particularly what you were just saying about the opportunities we've missed and blown we've had these these chances to actually consolidate a spot and we haven't which make which can does make me worry about how good we actually are and how ruthless we actually are whether it be against the crows or anyone now at best i think we can probably approach we can probably hope for fifth on the ladder and just hope to win a first finals game because I'm I'm really frustrated and really annoyed about you know we, we had such a strong run for so many weeks against obviously easy teams but why we, and the only team we've beaten in the last few weeks is the Bulldogs how is it that we lose this game to the Crows how do we lose to Fremantle the way we lost you know like I say We've, we haven't even really redeemed ourselves in the last few weeks. So I just feel that uh, top four is a little bit out of our grasp. Yeah, but if the Giants... Um, I know what you guys are saying, but the Giants could quite easily lose to the Clowns this week and um, no, then we're right back in it. No way. The Crows aren't that good. They're, they're a 10th or 11th ranked side. We made them look better and, than what they are and we've made teams look better than what they are. We made Carlton look good for Christ's sake. You know, we've made we made St Kilda look good. We haven't actually dominated and ruthlessly beat a side. And Cameron, that ruthless is the actual word. Um, that's the important one. We're not ruthless, and there's I think there's some serial um, underperformers in big games um, that continue to uh, uh, to get games. And uh, you know, Sam Gray, who didn't play, is one of them. I question sometimes Westoff. I know it's controversial. Um, because he's having a great season this year. Uh, but again, in the big games, he disappeared like he did on the weekend, fumbled, missed opportunities. Um, he, just isn't, he just isn't a confidence player in those clutch games. Now, if we, if we compare ourselves to our past, um, our coaches in the past would have actually got rid of those sort of players. In recent future times, you look at Hawthorne, who's probably the benchmark team in the competition, 
Um, they're ruthless. If they suspect a player isn't going to hold up to finals play, even if they're great in the home and away season, they will get rid of that player. Now, um, I don't think we've made our players accountable enough and we haven't been ruthless enough, and uh, and that's probably part of our problem. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not convinced, you know, top four, and I'll be disappointed if we're just there to make up the numbers come finals time because, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of commentators uh, had us... Uh, Premiership favourites or second Premiership favourites, and and I think we've definitely underperformed this year. Yeah, I, I got the feeling when we recruited and coming into this season, I was looking forward to a you know a good exciting side that was going to be high scoring. We were going to put a lot of teams away. Of course, we were going to suffer disappointments and losses along the way, but it was going to be a really good season that we could just savour and. I'm feeling particularly disappointed at this this point of the season. Uh, ha- have been a little bit the last few weeks. I mean, we like I said, we came through that patch where we won a lot of games. We were playing ordinary sides and not putting them away, uh, but we were winning. And you thought, okay, there's a little bit of hope. But then we, we've almost gotten worse. I mean, look, we we actually did play okay on the weekend. There were certainly some encouraging passages of play, but this side is not ruthless, it's not putting teams away, and it's very difficult to get excited about. Yeah, no, you guys you guys definitely raised some good points, and um, you, you, probably, you, know, you might be right with regards to us not finishing top four this year, but I still think we can win our last three games. They're all winnable games, and, you know, GWS might be, or probably will be the Crows this week, but then they've got, they've still got Sydney, and Sydney, as we saw on the weekend, are no easy beats. So, um, you know, if we win all three games, you never know what might happen. And, and I think we'll beat West Coast this week. Collingwood have got injuries and Essendon uh, aren't as good as what, you know, people make them out to be. So, yeah, I'm not riding off a top four chance anyway. And, yeah, I'd be the same as you guys, disappointed if we if we you know, at least didn't finish top four or at least didn't win a final anyway. Yeah, you know what's funny? I was reflecting on this before. You know, with all these proposed rule changes, all the fans have come out and gone, leave the bloody game alone, just leave the game alone. And then after this weekend, what do we got? We need flashing goalposts. What about just making the ball, if it bounces on the inside, it's a goal or a point instead of worrying about it? And what about what about we bring in a red card? Yeah, that's you know? a big one. Come on, guys. Let's make up, as supporters, let's make up our mind. We want to criticise them for changing the rules, and then we're saying, hey, let's change the rules. What are we Actually, doing? Actually... We've got a big proponent of the red card on our panel tonight, mate. Uh, Bevo wrote a bit of an article about it a few weeks back, and it's, I'll tell you what, it's certainly back in vogue now, isn't it, Bevo? He sure is. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to change the game too much, but I think what happened yesterday with the Dockers, you know, being down a player, that's where red card, the red card system could have come in. Um and then in terms of the, yeah, the flashing goalposts is, is an interesting one. I heard someone say something about that. And it does make you wonder, I mean, it does work pretty well with the cricket. So could that work in the AFL? Maybe it could. Yeah. I can't see the why thing is that, oh, The thing is that in the cricket, the bales have got to come off. And I mean, it, it, it's a pretty obvious call whether the bales are off or not. Whereas I, I don't know about that in footy. It, it, it just doesn't quite work for me. What about... Um... What about from the padding up? It's just like a, a laser. <laughs> and so if the yes. ball touches the laser, it flickers. 
yeah. or interrupt the laser. <laughs> and think of the money they'll save because they won't need to spend $30,000 on a sail post. It'll just be a laser beam. No, you know what I'll do? I'll sit behind goals and I'll get one of those one of those McDonald's uh, Oz kick footies for however much it is, $6.95 or whatever, and I'll chuck it at the goalpost when someone's having a shot. Yeah, there's always one troublemaker, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just got myself in trouble there. I, who I could get who would have thought it would be Mr. Sleeves that would be causing the trouble? No, <laughs> yes. Still haven't got my sleeves, mate. Don't have my sleeves. All right, so Cameron actually intimated some of the statistics. If we, um, if I just load the uh, load the page with the stats, just All right. Disposals three ninety to three twenty seven in the Crows' favour. Uh, free kicks was pretty much even. Clearances uh, forty four to thirty four in the Crows' favour once again. Sixty nine to forty seven inside fifties. Contested possessions one sixty six to one forty nine. They out-tackled us 70-52. to 52. They had a ridiculous statistic up on the screen. I think it was like 16-0 tackles inside 50, um, which meant we, were, we really weren't yeah. clogging up the, uh, the, our, inside, our forward 50, which I think was because we were playing that counter-attack game. Hit-outs 34-52 in our favour. Less interchanges. I mean, it was an interesting game because, uh, you know, if I said to you before the game, Paddy Wright is going to have 20 more hit-outs, Robbie Gray's going to kick four, Chad Wingard's going to kick three, uh, young young superstar Farrell's going to kick three, I'm pretty sure you would have said, Rick, we're going to win that game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but uh, what, what really... I'll I, I tell you where we were really... where I felt we were really struggling. That Our work out of defence just seemed to be, for the most part, pretty ordinary uh, quite often the ball was down there we would bomb the ball it would just go onto the boot we would kick it straight to a crow's player or a nest of them uh, you know across half back between half back and the wing and they would just send it straight back down and so we just couldn't get it in we whenever we tried to get it outside of their 50 they would just send it back in and obviously they killed us in the inside 50s and we were just lucky that we were just more efficient towards goal. If only we could have done it more often, that's all. Yeah. To me, it, to me it looked like we were playing a counter-attack game plan. So we were sort of, sort of a bit like what we did against Melbourne. We were sort of sitting back and letting, uh, letting the Crows come at us and then trying to beat them on transition. And, yep. uh, and uh, Ian's just saying Dixon got donuts, but I don't think he was really in a position because we sort of cleared the... Um, we cleared that forward line out. I thought Dixon still had a reasonable influential game, but you know we really opened up that inside 50, hence no tackles in there, and uh, we were really sweating back and then running forward, and, and that's why Robbie Gray, Chad Wingard, were and Farrell were able to get on the end of some goals. But, um, yeah, we, we again, it seems to be a repeat theme, especially when we're playing the Crows, but all the top sides... We allow them to have that extra play around the contest and in the midfield, and they and those better sides carve us up time and time again, and it makes you question why the um, the power has actually jumped out and offered Michael Voss another two year contract, because our midfield isn't as good as what it should be in my opinion. Uh, but our midfield does. We are top. I think we're top or second in the comp for clearances. 
Um, we've actually got a very good midfield. And, um, no, I quite like Vossi's work in the midfield. My biggest problem, I, I just sort of sometimes feel our forward line's not working that well. I don't know what where... Watts had a brief period where he was quite good. I don't know what he did off the ball, but I just didn't feel like Watts really had much of an influence on the game. And you need someone like that to step up in these big games. Yeah, I thought I thought Charlie Charlie had another pretty good game. I know he didn't kick as many goals as last week against the Bulldogs, but he tried to compete as much as he could with you know a pretty good defender in Talia. So yeah, obviously um, I, I, once again it's just relying too much on Robbie Gray, isn't it? I didn't see, I don't know, I didn't feel that Charlie was that good. And I mean, you might be right, Rick, that uh, if there was, you know, if they were sort of opening up the forward line, Charlie was really good the week before against the Bulldogs and even the week before that against the Giants when they had him deep and were able to kick to him and kick to him on leads and that sort of thing. He was really able to exert himself on the game and I just didn't feel... Charlie, for me, uh, I, I didn't feel comfortable with it. Comfortable with what? Well, with the way that... Whether it was the way he was playing or the way they had him set up, um, I didn't feel particularly comfortable with, with his his effort on the weekend or, or, or you know his influence on the game. I think it's more the structural thing. I know, I know what's uh, Craig's on the... Um... On the on the speaker chat saying what's out for Frampton and and on social media and, and Big Footy uh, especially um, you know they're saying that you know Watts uh, is the man to go, um, but I actually thought Watts I thought his link up play was pretty good, and um, yeah I don't know and Dixon I think I think it's more structural positional more than Dixon himself, I think his marking over the last three weeks has got better, um, and he's actually holding his marks now. Um, Mick Harrison's on the chat room too, boys, saying big gills on talking footy, saying that most people don't think it hit the post and he disagrees that the goal line technology needs to improve. But anyway, that's <laughs> a, we've spoken about that, but I, I completely disagree with that guy, but who, his credibility is down the toilet as far as I'm concerned. He, but, he's against the red card too. He mentioned that tonight on talking footy as well. But Bevo, Cam, you know, in relation to Michael Voss, the... Chris um, put some good stats up on Big Footy in the uh, assistant coach thread. Basically, he's got here the good aspects of our midfield, second, eighth, fourth in tackle differential from 16 to 18, 14, 13th, first in uncontested possession differential, fifth, eighth, and 13th for most inside 50s conceded, and 11th, third, sixth for metres gain differential. The bad... Um, 12th, 4th, 10th in contested possession differential. 11th, 11th, 16 in stoppage clearance differential. 2nd, 4th and 1st for most clearances conceded to an opponent. Especially when you consider that we've got one of the best rucks in the competition in Paddy Ryder. Mm. Yeah, clearances conceded is an interesting one, isn't it? Um... Yeah, I suppose that indicates a bit of a lack of accountability at the stoppages. Uh, no, look, I think um, Vossi's got a pretty good midfield there to work with, and he, he was pretty good himself. No, I, I'm quite happy with Vossi. Yeah, yeah, I think he's doing. I reckon he's doing all right, all right job. 
Yeah, okay. as, as I say, again, my, my biggest problems with our, with our forward line. Yep, I agree. And I guess it's just a... I guess it comes down to Ken's jurisdiction. I mean, we can blame the assistant coaches all we want, um, you know, but I guess at the same time, Ken does have the power to overrule if he wants to. So they're definitely playing to some structure. Um, but whatever that is, uh, I'm still not convinced we know completely. And I think you said it earlier, Cameron, as well. You know, we're, we're still working our way into the game and what our game plan is, or it might have been you, Bevo. Um, really, we should be on top of our game plan come round 19 in the AFL season. Um, you know, we shouldn't be uh, still trying to find out what our what our game play is and getting and improving on it. Uh, that seems crazy. Um, the social media world has been questioning Ollie's infamous kick, and um, what do you boys think? Should it be? Should he have just done a standard drop punt? Um, was he uh, was he too far out and on? Not sharp enough an angle to go the uh, uh, the around the corner. Did he actually structure up right for it? And is Ollie's kicking uh, a question mark in relation to his skill capacity? Yeah, his um, his kicking can let him down at times, but I think he's such a good player and he's he's so good in in and under. And a lot of the time, like barring that sort of stuff up, he's kicking the ball under a lot of pressure. So um, I think he's, he does all right. But in terms of that. That stuff up, I, obviously, he should have gone for the drop punt for sure. Um, but, you know, we all make mistakes. And as I mentioned before, there's certainly other other aspects of that game which cost us. It wasn't just – you can't just blame it all on Ollie. Yeah, I couldn't believe he was lining up for that in that way. Uh, I saw uh, – I think it was Jake Need did it a few weeks ago. It was Need or, or – yeah, I think pretty sure it was Need did it for the Magpies a few weeks ago too. Pretty much um, – almost in front, and went the Stevie J instead. And, I mean, this frustrates me. Like, why would you? Ollie Wines, you know, his, his ability, his experience, just line up and go the, uh, go the drop punt. Well, everyone on the chat room is basically saying they don't want to watch when he's kicking the ball um, and they don't trust his goal kicking. And there's a lot of people, especially on Big Footy, that question whether Ollie can be captain when he's got such an unreliable kick. Um, and you've got to admit, a real captain under the pressure would stand up and seal the deal because I, I'm, I hate to put pressure on him and there are a lot, I know there's a lot of moments in a game, but if you kick that goal, it would, it would have been very difficult for the Crows to come back and win that game. We had all the momentum. We would have continued to have the momentum. They would have been three goals behind. And it was yeah, that would have sealed the deal for us. I would have suggest. He's how old? 23, 24. 23, um, 24. And it, I don't even know who. Did you guys notice who played on him? Because whoever it was really tagged nah. him out of the game this week. Oh yeah, he, he was. He was certainly quite. But but I'll say no from a leadership perspective. Uh, right at the moment, he's not our captain, and if he's going to make those mistakes, make it now. I, I he'll learn from that. So I don't really, I'm, I guess to some extent, good thing he's made that mistake now because he won't make it as captain. Yeah. And do you guys think if, um, if we do finish fifth, I still think we can win the flag anyway. I think we're good enough. Or am I too optimistic? <laughs> Look, I don't think it, statistically um, trying to win the flag from third or fourth is rare. Um, as Russell Lever Hamble or Big Footy pointed out this week, let alone from fifth. I mean, 
the Bulldogs have been the anomaly in what 20 years to win from outside the top four, and you rarely win from third or fourth. So, look, I I wouldn't be putting my house on us even making the preliminary from fifth to eighth, let alone winning the grand final. Can, can I add a stat? Um, the winner of the premiership generally comes from the sides normally also won in round one too. So just keep that in mind, fellas. In round one? Yep. So it normally comes from a side who's won, yeah, who's won a game in round one. Didn't we beat Sydney in round one? We did. Oh, well, there's a little bit of optimism. No, we no Fremantle. Fremantle, yeah. And Craig yeah. pointed out that no teams won the grand final from winning both showdowns in a year as well. So, um, Kirky, <laughs> Kirky's asking the question on the chat room, does uh, Bogey have to go one more year as El Capitano? Um, I, I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I've considered that a few times myself this uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, you, you know, as, as you do when you've got nothing else to think about, you ponder the Port Adelaide captaincy and... I think that uh, probably one more year for Boak would be my preference. We know Ollie's going to be there for a while. We don't need to put him straight in as captain. Uh, just, yeah, make it fairly clear that he's next to step up and, and get him get him learning the ropes. Yeah, I'm with you, Cam, 100%. Yeah, well, who else is there? You know, do, you, do you give it to Robbie Gray? He probably wouldn't take it off his best mate anyway. So... Um... And while we're, while we're talking about Robbie Gray, well done on, well done on his um, fourth showdown medal. And I, I think uh, us supporters, yeah, I think we're sometimes a little bit precious. I mean, we need to get over the fact that the Crows fans were born him. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. We, got it, we got it. We had the stones thrown us from uh, booing at Joel, Joel Selwood from the Anzac Day game and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, look, let's just move on. Everyone boos. They booed Robbie. Who cares? Whatever. Robbie didn't look like he wanted to win that bloody medal anyway. He looked like he took it off straight yeah. away and wanted to throw it in the ground. Um, Ian, Ian's on the chats proposed, what about Hamish for captain? Yeah, I saw that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that Hamish is... Hamish is... Look, he, he definitely leadership material, but I don't know if we want him as captain. Is he... Um, you know, how's his, how's his body going to hold up for next year? Let, let's just hope he's right and ready to play. Let's not put that leadership expectation on him as well. What about Chad Winger? Probably he not was, a leader. He was he was state under-18 captain. Yeah, I think he's got other sort of pursuits and interests at the moment. I don't think he'd want to be captain. What do you think, Bevo? No, I don't... I love Wingard, but no, no, I'm definitely not a captain. <laughs> he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 has some good leadership qualities, and as you mentioned, he he's done it before with the under 18s But it's a whole new level captaining an AFL club, and you know he's come out and said that he doesn't really doesn't really watch footy, doesn't really follow it except for playing it. So, you know, if you're an AFL captain, you have to you know go along to media conferences and things like that. And I just can't see Chad doing it. You you don't really see him being interviewed much or going in the media much at all anyway. So, yeah, no, it'd be a no for me, I reckon. I, I think Ian, Ian, Ian agrees with us. I think it's a big no from Ian as well. Well, screw, screw Ian and screw you two because I reckon Chad... <laughs> I, reckon it, I think it's what Chad actually needs, right? I think for him to go to the next level, I think he's still got another level. I think he needs a responsibility. And I think Chad 
would be an amazing leader. He's got the discipline. He's got the skills. He's got the he's got the ice cool ability to p- perform under pressure. And I think he would be the man to raise the bar and then raise the bar of his other teammates. Um, Hamish, I love, but I just think his injury prone issues yeah. uh, would be a problem. What about this stat, guys? I don't know if you saw. I posted it up on. Um, on the Port Fan Radio Facebook page, but this surely this did cost us Rocky, Sam Power Pepper, Ollie Wines played the least amount of game time, and I think they spent the most amount of time of the players on the pine in the last quarter. I mean, was yeah. that actually something that affected us as the game went on, and why so little game time for our three prime stoppage midfielders? Is it because yeah, we were a, trying to play an open game plan? It's an interesting one because when, when actually, I mean, Sam Pal Pepper, I noticed in particular when he was around, he, he was a bit of a man possessed and it was just what we needed. And I, it didn't occur to me that they hadn't played such little time on the field, but it, it makes a lot of sense given their perhaps lack of influence, where, where the, their influence uh, can be very good as a collective group. Those guys uh, can, can really get it, get stuck into the opposition. So I, that I would think that would have to be some kind of a factor. Bevan, um, oh, yeah, I haven't really thought about that one to be honest. Um, it's obviously had a a bit of a bearing in the last quarter, but yeah, maybe Kenny was just trying to have. A faster, you know, obviously those three guys are are not our fastest players. They're in and under contested beasts. And maybe Kenny just wanted to give us some pace for that last quarter. That's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, it's a little bit strange. I think it really hurt us. I don't know if we were um, trying to nurture them um, for the West Coast game. Um, You know, Ian's questioning, did we have the leg speed with three of those on the ground at once? But... We were getting beating in the clearances and surely they would have made a difference there. Um, but anyway, I think it's something interesting to watch um, for the rest of the season and what's going on there. Um, in relation to our tall targets and Dixon and Watts, what about Paddy Ryder? The, on, a couple of comments I saw on the forums which I thought was interesting was we don't seem to use Paddy Ryder very well in relation to a marking player from kickouts. Um, Paddy's influence around the ground did seem to be negligible. Obviously, I know he's uh, had that hip injury. But where, where does that leave us for 2019? Is Paddy cooked like his body? Um, you know, is he, does he, can we rely on Paddy in 2019 as a lead ruckman? Or is he going to be more of a forward um, with a part-time ruck ability? I, I just don't know if we can be convinced for, and have him as our lead ruckman in 2019, and I think that's part of the reason we're in the position we are on the ladder now, because we don't have any backup, and we refuse to use a backup player like Billy, Billy Frampton. Yeah, I think um, we definitely have to chase after Proust from North Adelaide, or if we can't get Lysert, um, or even maybe even like Segler from Hawthorne or something, because yeah, that's definitely hurt us. And you're right, Paddy's not getting any younger, and so I could see him playing forward next year. And then, you know, pinch hitting in the ruck and then having someone else there like a Proust or someone like a more of a mature age body. Even like a Dawson Simpson from the the Giants would be handy too. But 
we'll see what happens. What about yourself, Cam? Yeah, it's um, Paddy's. You're right. We certainly can't rely on him for next year, like we were relying on him clearly from the start of this year. So there's there's definitely going to need to be some backup there because it, he is going to have to play more time down forward in certain positions like that to in, increase the longevity of his career because I don't think he's going to be able to handle the full ruck load week in, week out. Now, hopefully a, um, a pre-season where he gets, to, gets a chance to get his body right and get himself back together is going to benefit him. But I wouldn't want to have to count on him as we get sort of more towards the, the middle of next season. So I think definitely uh, there's going to have to be a backup plan for Paddy and that's going to have to be in place fairly, yeah, fairly soon into 2019. Interesting. Sorry, I'm just sucking on the rest of my chubba chub while I was enthralled by you guys talking. Um, you having a chopper chop there. I didn't oh, even yeah. know you were. We've been giving them away at the office. It's tax season. And uh, so what we're oh. trying to do is fill a whole wall up with our client photos. And so we bribe them with um, chopper chubs for a photo. We call it our hall, uh, hall of stars or wall of stars. And uh, somehow the chopper chub mysteriously <laughs> placed itself on my desk. So I thought, while you guys are talking, I'll uh, chew away. Um, our game <laughs> plan. Did it look better? I actually, we, it definitely was more attacking. It did. We did open up our defence, though. Uh, I think Homsch, there's something not right with Homsch. I know he's coming back from that hip injury, and um, a knowledgeable poster on Big Footy believes that the hip injury is the new season, uh, career-ending injury for the AFL footballer. Um, Homsch was always tra- trailing behind the forwards. Uh, Jonas didn't seem as influential. We did seem to be trying to attack and run on transition more, um, which was sort of probably leaving our defence open a little bit more. Um, it did seem more attractive on the eye to watch as a game plan, though. Yeah, I reckon yeah. we played, we played definitely, definitely one of the best games the last month, for sure. Like, it was more attacking, it was exciting. I think having Farrell in the side um, made a really big difference. And obviously, we know how well Lino's going. And I know you sort of mentioned it the other day on Port Fan Radio, Dan Houston, he's just having such a great year. Um, you know, he just keeps getting better and better. So what I think we should try and look at some of the positives of the game rather than the negatives, and, and they were definitely some of the good ones for sure. What do you guys think? Yeah, we played some of our most exciting footy for the season this uh, this week. It was great to see a lot of that. I mean, we, we did get some good quick transition uh, down to the forward line, and we looked good. I always... In all honesty, I generally felt confident when we got the ball down there that something was going to happen, whether it be a goal or a behind or something. I, I felt like when, when you know, we were able to get it down there a bit quicker and give ourselves an opportunity to score. As you saw, some of those goals came from, you know, like Wingard beyond 50 or, or you know, reasonable distance out. It's because we were able to get it down there quickly. The forward line was clear and uh, the ball was able to go through. Um in relation to Jonas's hip injury, I don't know what type of a hip injury it is, but Homsch, I do know. Homsch. Ah, oh, Homsch, sorry. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I was sitting there thinking. Look, every week I'm, I'm going to mix up a defender's <laughs> name, aren't I? I did, did it last week. Um, 
it can really slow you down. I mean, I've had issues with hip flexor and that sort of thing before, and it just takes a lot of the power out of one leg, and it can really slow you down, and it makes it very difficult. You feel that discomfort, and it, it, it can be a problem. So, Homs, yeah, Homs is going to struggle a bit for this season, I think, if he's got to keep playing on this. Even some talk on social media, and I tend to agree, look, if, if Dougal Howard's fit this week, you'd Take Homsch out and you'd play Dukes instead. We definitely yeah, I think that's probably, yeah. yeah. What about other guys coming into the side? Um, like Snelling's been playing some really good footy. Sam Gray's obviously had forty disposals on the weekend. West Coast have got a pretty, pretty fast lineup. You know, like they've got guys like Liam Ryan. Um, uh, then they've also got Willie Rioli. They've got a pretty, some pretty speedy, and obviously, um, what's his name? Oh, Jeddah as well. So they've got a lot of speed. So do you think we need to bring in like a Sam Gray and a, a Snelling or someone no. someone different? No? No. I can tell you now. No. We could almost put a line through every single player that's in that Magpies team at the moment. Uh, and I say that respectfully, but, yeah, Will Snelling is just too small, doesn't influence it enough. Um, Sam Gray's had his time. He's a great SA NFL player. I don't think he's quality enough. Um, again, he doesn't execute against the better teams under pressure. You can't judge a 40-possession game. I watched that game. It was abysmal, right? Our disposal was woeful. We played this massive possession game. I don't know what the hell we were doing, but it was crazy there. And if we're looking for speed, I can't see it in the SANFL, maybe outside of Don Barry and Aidan Johnson, and, and their disposal was pretty much in the toilet as well. So um, I think outside of Todd Marshall, I think we're, we're pretty much carrying our best 22 players at the moment anyway. Um, so I think it's just a matter of those guys playing a little bit better than, than tapping into the well of the SANFL. Yeah, you're right. We, we, we don't... We, well, Trengo's not that... He's not that quick either. He does get a lot of the ball, but I, I think you're right, Rick. Um, I, I was thinking about it too, and I just thought we don't really have any speed to match some of those West Coast players, and so we're gonna just we're gonna have to rely on, you know, DBJ and Bonner and and Houston, some of these guys to just do their best work because, yeah, those players in the SNFL are getting a lot of the ball, but you know they're not really showing much else. Kirk yeah, asked why it's Hey? Sorry, I was just going to say, boys, um, I thought Bonner was actually pretty good on Saturday night, and a few people have been criticising, you know, him for costing us that last goal with Eddie Betts and stuff, but I thought that was one of his better games I've seen in a long time for Bonner. I thought he, his run and carry was really good. Uh, he took the game on like we love, and I felt as though he was, he was pretty handy. What did you guys think about his game? Oh, he concerned me at times. I, I understand... I understand where the criticism's coming from, but I don't think we've got much else behind Bonner to put him at too much risk. So, yeah, look, I, I like him. And, look, he's, he's he's been a bit questionable lately. But, hey, look, I, I think, yeah, I, I think give him a bit more. He'll be OK. Yeah, he's, he's probably one we can persist with, I guess. I was always a massive fan of Jasper. You guys probably didn't know my love for Jasper a couple of years ago, but... 
Um, no. Jasper's <laughs> probably bereft of confidence now. Even I can't find an argument um, to keep him in the side. You know, I used to love what he represented, which was run, carry, dash, and um, proactive uh, adventure with the ball. That's probably Riley Bonner now. Um, you know, I don't know if we can have the luxury of both of them, especially when both of them aren't in great form. It's probably best, as Craig pointed out, to bring DBJ back into the defensive part, uh, section, probably put Jasper back in the, uh, back in the SANFL and bring in Frampton or um, Todd Marshall's still injured, obviously. So bring in another tool in Frampton to help give uh, Ryder some chop out as well. Um, but yeah, we just seem to be structurally off with our, our targets and everything else. But um, I'm mindful of time, but I, I did, there were some great topics of uh, discussion on Big Footy. Uh, so uh, I did want to I did want to go to some of them. We've sort of addressed some of the big footy points, so uh, which is good. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's go to uh, and how if players know how to kick a drop punt instead of a banana, would we still at one? Well, we sort of spoke about that. Charlie Dixon also didn't around the corner kick him earlier in the game and didn't kick it and kicked a point. So. Um, Ollie Wines wasn't the other one and yeah I'm with Kurt what, what's going on with our skills I don't go to the training so I don't really see it um, but the, the skill our skills is questionable and they have been questionable for a few years and we haven't improved so is that the players I thought we actually or is that the I thought coaches? our skills were actually a lot better I thought our skills were a lot better on Saturday night boys yeah yeah, well, look, look, we, we did address this last week and we talked about the fact that, I think it was last week or the week before, we talked about the fact that they need to do, and I'm with you, Rick, I don't go to training, I don't know, but uh, they they probably need to do a bit more work on it, um, uh, sort of in training, in more game pressure type situations, they, they probably that's normally the best place to work on the skills and, and maybe they're not doing enough of that. So in game-type situations um, where you've just got to get used to making those quick decisions. Hey, Bevo, um, your mate Shitson Face on Big Footy also had a good question. Um, if Ollie Wines had kicked a drop punt and missed, would we all have said he should have kicked it around the corner? And the follow-up question is, he should have kicked a drop punt talking point, the biggest case of confirmation bias in the AFL. <laughs> yes, um, obviously Raina tried to do the same thing and stuffed up as well on the weekend against the Kangaroos. So everyone's trying to do that around the corner, Stevie J type of kick. But as Malcolm Blight said tonight, and Malcolm Blight, I love hearing him talk because he always speaks sense. Um, you know, it's just... It's not that. It's not a very um, easy kick to, you know, to follow through with. It's pretty tough, and more often than not, you stuff it up because you've got to actually kick the ball in a sweet part of the footy um, to make it curve. So it's not that easy. <laughs> so I, I think just stick to the drop punt, guys. And you know, it might be hard sometimes on angles and things like that, but certainly a lot easier than trying to kick it around the corner. That's for sure. Well, Tony Lockett and Jason Dunstan, those guys, you never ever saw them line up for a set shot and kick a Stevie J. Obviously, they wouldn't have called it a Stevie J back then. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it concerns me. Mate, they, uh, you're talking about greats of the game, Scott Hodges as well. Um, Scotty, yeah, of course. They'd be in tight pockets 
doing drop punts and kicking goals. I mean, these guys <laughs> just need, I think I think that kick around the corner is almost a cop out, right? Yeah. Just you you're an AFL footballer, you practice bread and butter, primarily drop punts, you know, go to the drop punt. You know, for me an amateur hack that used to play, um, I found that sort of around the corner check side kick easier. Um, than a drop punt because I was just so shit at playing football. Um, but, you know, if these guys are elite footballers, they should be able to uh, uh, get away with it. And, um, and of course, when you miss, whether it's a drop punt, you know, to be honest, if he drop punted and missed it, I would have just gone, wow, that's a shit kick, instead of going, hey, yeah. you should have freaking bloody uh, done it around the body uh, kick. Uh, so another question, Vine... Valerian wants to know why does Rick not jump on the apologist bandwagon and tell us to harden the hell up and just about the episode where we're going to win seven straight games in a row. Well, I will say to this, boys, if we win the last three games, we may not need to win seven games in a row and six games may be enough. Yes, true. 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 Yes. So anyway, the Dolly Wines drop punt is very, very uh, controversial. So let's go to the next one. Uh, we always seem to keep, pick... This is a bit of a broad brush, this one. We seem to always pick captains who are completely useless by foot and miss way too many goals. At least Treadray acknowledged his, his skill deficiency and worked on his technique to the point where he could kick more goals and points out of the fall. So our so-called next captain, Wines, could not be trusted to kick a goal five metres directly out in front with no one standing on the mark under no pressure. He needs to work a little bit harder on his skills because currently he's not AFL standard. Is that a bit brutal? Yeah, I was thinking Wanganine, but when he kicked one of the most important goals in our history, he wasn't the captain, was he? No. So, yeah, okay. Um, I, I don't know. That, that, that's harsh. <laughs> that's anyway, really we'll, harsh. We'll move, let's move on from Bash and Ollie Wines because yeah. he is a great player. He's an influential yeah, yeah, midfielder. And, uh, you know, the other compliment I'll give Ollie Wines this year, his overhead marking has gone to another level. His, yeah, very true. His pack marking, his contested marking, whether inside 50 or in the midfield, or being that outlet release, you know, from a kick-in, He's probably been one of the better marking targets for us this year. Yeah, I agree with that. They actually look for him a lot as well. And you guys, you guys probably forget that he's pretty tall. Back in the day, he'd almost be a ruckman. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, God, I want to ask you guys a quick question before you before we finish up, Rick. Um, out of out of our team this year, obviously Robbie got Robbie Gray's a lock, but out of our team this year. Who do you think will finish in the squad of 40 that are Port Adelaide players? Um, I mean, Jonas has to be a chance because he's missed a few games with injury, whether that affects him or not. Yeah, what do you guys think? Cameron? I haven't thought about it. <laughs> um, I was just looking. Ollie Wines is also our top clearance player. Um, uh, I'd say Wines and Wingard. Uh, yeah, Wine, yeah. Wines, Wingard, point. and Jonas would be my three. No, uh, Westhoff? 
can't no. argue with that. No, Westhoff is excellent, but he's he's more sort of the the glue that holds it all together. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll go I'll go with that too. Yeah, I, I don't know about Jonas. Jonas, I would have said earlier on, but he's had those injuries. I I'd probably only say, um, yeah, Wines and Wingard and and, and perhaps Gray. Oh, obviously yeah. Gray. So I don't know if you guys saw we had a South American podcast on the weekend. Um, Oh, that's what pa- that was. Yeah, Garamo Power um, uh, asked the question. I won't ask all of them, but why was our defence a liability, boys, and why did we lose the midfield? Have you got any insight there? Um, because midfielders aren't run, running back to help the defenders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought our... Our defence was under a lot of pressure, and when they did put it on the boot, as I said earlier, that um, wherever where it was going, it was going straight to Crow's play. We we just didn't have the the structural. We weren't ready to to take it out of defence. The Crows were very well set up and put a lot of pressure on, on us um, trying to get it outside of the Crows fifty. And I th- I feel like uh, Handel Peck is having a go at my grammatical use of using commas because his question is, who would win a fight between the Oxford comma and the Fishing Rico 4 comma? Ooh. I don't know. Probably, oh. the, probably the Oxford comma because my grammar's not great. I, I'll admit that. Uh, and how many goals will Kane, uh, Kane Farrell kick across the final series and how many specifically in the grand final? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Jeez, uh, probably in the grand final. Specifically in the grand final, he'll kick six. Um, <laughs> but across the rest of the series, I'd say he'll probably average about one, maybe two a game. But when he gets to the grand final, he'll, he'll be a, he might even win the Norm Smith. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you, and can you guys, Bevo, have you noticed anything different? Uh, from last year to this year, where last year we couldn't beat a top eight side. I think we've beaten two so far this year now, with the top eight changing. But last year we were smashing the bottom eight sides, whereas this year we've just been getting over the line. Interstate has asked that question. Yeah, it's obviously a positive because um, last year we were we were smashing the bottom sides and, yeah, we couldn't beat a top eight side. And that was what all the talk was. But this year, I mean... When you consider the the Crows um, have had a lot of injuries and stuff like that, but, you know, we've still beat them when they had a pretty handy side in the first showdown. And the Kangaroos were playing some good footy and we beat them. The Swans, um, I think that was round two. So, and they almost at full strength as well. So I think we've had a pretty good year. And probably the thing that's cost us the most is that, yeah, like you guys mentioned at the top of the show, is the loss to the Hawks, the Frio loss, and then maybe the one on the weekend... And the Giants game, well, we stuffed that one up because we didn't have another Ruckman. That's If we had Frampton, I think we would have beaten the Giants that day. We just got demolished in the clearances and, you know, the hitouts. I can't remember what the stats were, but Dawson Simpson had a field day. So, um, yeah, if that's – yeah, I think we've definitely improved from that perspective and hence why I think we'll still finish top four, but we'll see what happens. Well, then is our coaching group stubborn? Yeah, in a way. Because you're saying what a lot of supporters are saying, that you know, if we played another tall, 
Like against GWS, we would have won. Maybe, maybe not. We can argue that, but let's go with the theory. We would have been more competitive and put ourselves in a position to win. Um, everyone could see we need another Rutman, but they didn't choose one. Is that stubborn by the coaching group? Cameron? Uh, I, I don't know about stubborn. It's it's a little bit... Um, it's disappointing. Inflexible? Uh, it, it, yeah, in, inflexible is maybe a word. Uh, I mean, look, put it this way. The, the ones that we had, or say, you know, you're talking Frampton and Laddams and that, they weren't ready to play AFL. So I, I think it was maybe a little negligent, but um, I don't know about stubborn. There was no point putting Frampton in because he was getting, particularly early in the season, he was getting reasonably well beat, you know, physically beaten around in the SANFL. I think he's improved now, and I think he's just about ready. But, yeah, it, it certainly hasn't certainly hasn't helped. So the Voss um, extension's been a bit of a controversial one. Um, on what basis do you think the board felt Voss was worth another two-year extension? No comment, hmm. Evan? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't there, so I wouldn't know. But, uh, you know, he, he certainly... Like I said, we we are a, a reasonably good clearance side. We've got a very good midfield. So Maybe they so, feel that Cameron, I want you to man up here. I think you're being very politically correct. I'm the CEO. <laughs> okay. I come to yeah. you as the chairman of the board, and I go, right. Cameron, I want to give Michael Voss another two years, even though, you know, Brett Ratton is has knocked on our door and might be interested, and there's a couple other high, good high-profile uh, potential senior assistants that might want to come across, whatever. Uh, I'm keen to give Vossi two years. Uh, unconditional love for him. I think he's the man. Are you going to sign the checkbook for me? Yes. So Vossi's got some good, tough uh, midfielders, a bit, more, a bit like him. Um, with guys like uh, like Rockliffe and Wines, and that I think there's there's a lot more he can still achieve with that uh, midfield. They've given him a good midfield. They've 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 probably given him as good as they can. This is your opportunity. Go and shine, Vossi, if you want to have another crack at being a senior coach. Man, Bevo, you got anything to add? <laughs> no, I think Ted's pretty much nailed it. So, mate, I reckon yeah. we're bad poker players. That's what I think. We played. Po- we gave. We gave Ken Hinckley another four years when we didn't have to, because we were worried that he was going to be poached by the Gold Coast. I don't think he was ever going to get poached by the Gold Coast. We blinked and flinched, and and we've done it again with Michael Voss. I don't think we've learned our lesson. Right? You could be right. You could and be I just, right. I just don't, and I'm not saying that Hinkley isn't the man to be a, a premiership coach, but I also don't think that we needed to to drop our pants and give him whatever he wanted because he hasn't done enough. You know, this is what his sixth year, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, sixth year, and he's not got us into the top four, right? He is now in his list transition cycle. You know, a list probably goes through two two self-generation phases over a 10-year period. So um, I just think, look, I, so I'm with you, Cameron, in relation to 
is he horrendously bad? No, but I would definitely be looking around for other assistants to make a comparison, and I definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have been blinking and given Hinkley a four-year contract. Wow, who's playing music? Bevo. What are you doing, wow. Bevo? Are you bored? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we, no. are, we not, are we not interesting enough for you, mate? I'm pressing the wrong button. Sorry, guys. And you wonder why we pay you out. He's, he's looking at that porn again, Cameron. He is. He is. That was some interesting music. <laughs> one last one. Ian just commented, when Robbie retires, we are screwed. What are your thoughts on that? It's a fair call. Agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Saying that... Bevo's playing outro music. Yeah. <laughs> He's hey, worked it out. A, let me just make a comment. I think that <laughs> this could be a huge call. I think Kane Farrell is the next Robbie Gray. There you have it. Kane Farrell is the next Robbie Gray. Oh, I, actually, Bevo does get pretty excited. Yeah, there were some messages on the weekend uh, between me and Bevo. He... Yeah, he loves Kane, so I'm not surprised he said that, but that's a big call. Hey, want, how come you guys are messaging each other without me? I feel all cheated on. Oh, we message with you too, but we don't, you're a busy man. We don't want to get in your way. Yeah, we don't want you to have to, you know, you're busy. I am a busy man, I agree. I, I do keep an eye on everything, though. I might not, I might not comment, but I do keep an eye. Um, and I, but to, just to, I'll finish off with the game commentary. Yeah, we picked on Ollie. Uh, we picked on the infamous goal point. But I will say they called one push in the back for 50 metres with Robbie after he marked it, which he kicked a goal. In the last quarter, there was another one exactly the same. They didn't pay it. And then that 50 metre penalty against Westhoff, which gave him another goal, was horrendously bad. And obviously the channel... The broadcast station must have seen how bad it was. They didn't even replay it. But those two moments there with the umpires, that's a 12-point turnaround in the scoreline as well. Um, yeah, so we were very unlucky at times. Um, and if we're going to finish on a bit of an optimistic note, we did play more attacking. Uh, we did look more aggressive. We were running the ball well. Um, we do have a tough, hard run. John Cale's come out loving our last four games. He hasn't given up hope. And Bevo, I am with you. Um, I do think West Coast are beatable, and I'm with the bookies. I, I do think if we're good enough, we should be able to beat them. I think yeah, Collingwood, sure. haven't be- Collingwood haven't beaten us in the MCG for a long time, and uh, they yeah. have their injuries. So depending on which Port Adelaide turns up, they, they, they are beatable. And I think the Dons will be cooked... Um, by the last uh, game, they'll be out of the finals, so they won't have too much to play for. Um, so yeah, exactly. We are a chance if they play like they did on the weekend with that intensity, the aggression, um, with a bit, little bit more skill and finesse, we do have a chance to win maybe all three or at least two of the three. So I'll be very interested to see how the rest of this season plays out. Boys, yeah, that's my definitely. final comment. Beautiful. I like it, Rico. <laughs> yep. I'll say this. One of my one of my good mates said to me the other day during the uh, the Crows game. Uh, he's obviously he's a West Coast supporter. I know a lot of them, obviously. 
he said to me, where are we watching the game next week? And I said, it depends whether or not we win this game today. That is the showdown. After we lost the showdown, I said to him, I'll be watching the game by myself next week. I don't want anyone else. If we won, I'll watch it with you because I know we're going well, but I'll just need to be on my own for this one. <laughs> Do you think... Fair enough. Well, can I'm... we smash West Coast this week, boys? I know you're not on the preview show. I'll probably be on there with Porsche, maybe Macca. Um, do you think we can... With Kennedy out, Gap out, Nick Nat Nui out, are West Coast smashable? North Melbourne knocked them off in Tassie by nearly 40 points. Can we beat them by 60 point plus And will that give us momentum coming into the finals? Probably not 60 point plus, but yes, I've got us for a win this week. Yeah, I've got us for a win, but only just because we can't seem to put teams away this year. <laughs> Except for the Bulldogs game. That was a good one, wasn't it? So, Oh, and the first game of the year against the Dockers, we won pretty comfortably. So we've had a couple of good wins, but yeah, I can't see us winning by 10 goals, but maybe three or four goals. Yep. Did you guys want to finish it off with anything else or are you done? I'm pretty good. You're pretty I'm good? I'm happy. I, I can yeah, talk happy. for hours and hours and hours and it's what I do well. So uh, we'll finish it off, but I'll do... My, my parting gift is I would load up some money if you're a betting man on or woman on Hawthorne to beat Geelong. I think $2.20 for Hawks against Geelong is amazing value. And they're being very, very disrespected at this point in time. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, Rick's tip. Cool. All right, boys. Rick's tip. Thank you Geelong. very much. We want Geelong to win that one, though. Hey, guys. We do we? want Geelong. Well, Geelong's on the same points as Hawthorne, so it doesn't really matter who wins. Hawthorne's got a better percentage, I guess, so maybe go Geelong. But, you know, yeah. I'd rather come up against Hawthorne than Geelong because, you know, you talk about we can't beat West Coast, we can't get in close to Geelong. So. Um, the, the more that we can avoid Geelong, the better. But, uh, boys, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the people that tune, tuned in. And uh, we'll see you next Monday to talk about Port Adelaide defeating West Coast for the first time in Adelaide Oval. Can't that wait. Like a plane. <laughs> yibbida, That is all. <laughs> away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Two and two, Burgoyne almost brought it down. Here's James. He's had a marvellous game. He puts him in front. Brilliant goal. What a classic. Roger James gets his second.